Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Good friends, so good to be back, and I hope the day finds you well, and thank you so much for stopping by. Let me say first off, and I told them I was going to do this, if you ever find yourself down in Rocky Mount, Virginia, swing by the Rocky Mount Burger Company. They got it dialed in over there, folks, and if you leave hungry, well, it's your own fault. Great food, good folks, and they even do a little picking on a certain nights. You may have to check with them find out when that is, but... Check them out, folks. You won't be sorry. Of course, me being an Appalachian, I got to get the food out of the way first. But that being said, now we've talked about some pretty gruesome stuff on here during past episodes. So you'd think that sooner or later, we'd start getting a little bit hard toward it. Meaning that uh, it wouldn't shock us anymore, of course. But I can honestly say that I haven't got to that point yet. And uh, I think we all continue to feel a great deal of compassion and empathy toward victims and their friends and families as we go over their cases. I know that if any of these awful things happened to any of my loved ones, it would flat change all of us who managed to go on as best we could for the rest of our lives. I, I can, can't even imagine having to do that, but of course we always think that there's a little chance of it happening to us in the first place. And we'd be right about that for the most part, but what did make the hair on the back of my neck stand up was something that I found while researching this episode. It was the fact that there are no less than seven or eight serial killers suspected to be operating across our country at any given town at any given time. Now, that'll make you think about things and keep your eyes open, I guess, won't it? But I'm going to take you over to Clarksburg, West Virginia today, so... Grab you a sit down and maybe a cold drink while we talk about a real piece of work. Now, James E. Childers was born on February 8, 1964. He grew up with his family on their 96 acre farm in Coffin, West Virginia. Now, once he's old enough and a guess too cool for the farm anymore he moved to the bigger town of Clarksburg this is when he would begin taking jobs doing construction you know you start out at the bottom and make your bones and work your way up and James did pretty good and was able to find plenty of work probably because when you're raised on a farm you ain't no stranger to hard work 
he was so trustworthy as far as folks around him parts knew that they could hire him and to do odd jobs and he was known to be a real good local handyman about the Clarksburg area and he could fix repair and build about anything folks needed so by the late 1990s James did what most men would do if left to their own devices without the support of a fine significant other he developed a quite a taste for alcohol and in his case uh, well that uh, led to what uh, some would refer to as a drug habit and while he also showed signs of depression on top of all that now that would be one of the reasons women outlive men by a significant number of years because most men just don't have the good sense to stay alive on their own and despite it though he was considered to be a law-abiding citizen his friends all said that he was a friendly man who would help anybody with their chores around town so if everything looked pretty normal and james lived happily ever after and that'll do it for today's podcast right yeah you know better than that don't you but so right in the middle of everything looking all normal for james came 2009 when clarksburg police lieutenant robert metheny received a package containing several letters and a two-hour audio tape containing some of the most blood-curdling confessions ever recorded describing murders and arsons that were described in such detail that only the perp could have been able to be the one telling it this confession package came from uh, well none other than the beloved handyman james e childers so what do you do when you're a police officer and you get stuff like this Aside from expecting it to blow up in your face at any second, or maybe a big dose of anthrax popping out from its parts unknown, once you deem it safe, you play the tape and read the letters. The tape said, My name is James E. Childers, handyman, and I burned them houses down on Northcott Street. Now, okay, I had had to add the handyman part because I just couldn't help myself, but he did say the rest of it. Now, police and fire marshals have been looking for the pyromaniac that had started all them fires for some time now, but what came after the com- that confession was just a little more hair-raising and something that Clarksburg police weren't even close to being ready for. Carrie Lynn Baker, who was a 26-year-old woman who'd gone missing in the summer of 2008, was finally about to get some justice that she and her family had been waiting for. Handyman Childers admitted to killing her on the tape and did it with such accuracy that police were able to uncover her or recover her body in Barber County and positively identify her. The coroner would find that she'd been bludgeoned to death with a heavy object of some kind. But Papa hold the mules because the tape wasn't done yet. It went on, saying that there's more crimes, but I'm not going to tell you all of them, but I will tell you four more that I did. I've been killing these women for quite some time now. And the tape would lead investigators to the Childers family farm in Braxton County, West Virginia, for a good old-fashioned search. That's when they confirmed that, sure as you're born, 45-year-old Carolyn Sue Sirewine spent her last minutes alive on the Childers farm on Labor Day, where the handyman would shoot her twice in the head and bury her, uh, well, on the logging road on the farm police found and identified her body now, folks i'm not going to go over 
what all that damn monster did to the poor woman, but his reason for killing her was, as he said on tape, she ruined me. Of course it was the victim's fault. That's how all of these idiots explain it. Now James, the meek little handyman that nobody thought was a threat to even a fly, was never even a speck on the suspect radar for either of the missing persons cases for either of the two women. Now, if he hadn't sent his confession package to the police, he would have probably gotten away with it because he was just that good at playing the two different lives game. In his tape, confession, and letters, the dumbass stated that there was a total of four bodies on the farm along with the one thrown out in Barber County. Now, he said that he'd personally attended the graves for over four years. Now, what he meant by that was that he would go dig them up, move the graves, and, well, do a few other things to the bodies in the process, and I'll spare you the details on that. But police were never able to find the other bodies that he claimed were buried on the farm despite running themselves ragged trying. Folks, we're not done with this deviant yet. Stick around. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend with Larry Bentley. Now, even though investigators didn't have any leads or connections to other women that could possibly be victims of handyman childers, it was confirmed that he did place singles ads in the local newspapers in August 2008 and again in the following January. Now, it's not really clear whether he used those ads to meet his victims or if that has any significance in the case whatsoever. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm betting that it does because it wouldn't be the first nor the last time that anybody did this, as we've seen in the previous episodes we've had here. The Clarksburg police, to this day, still ask that anybody with information on the case please come forward because they're still looking into this mess. Now, apparently Mr. Childers was all about clearing things up, but, but only to a certain point. Now, he mailed the confession box to the police and hoofed it for parts unknown. Now... That meant that a manhunt would be underway once the bodies were found, and what he told police was confirmed to be true. Now, Mr. Childers had warrants for the arsons, and murder charges were starting to stack up, too. Police Lieutenant Robert Matheny would actually said on a documentary called Mountain of the Missing that during the manhunt, handyman Childers had actually swung back by his house to cut some tree branches that his neighbor was complaining about. He was worried they was going to fall on his property and do some damage. I wouldn't want the neighbor upset about anything, would we? Now, after all, there's never a good reason to be a bad, murderous, piece-of-dog-squeezed neighbor, I reckon. But finally, with their noses to the ground like a pack of old hound dogs, the police heard tell of Mr. Childers was drugged up, armed up, and laid up at the townhouse motel in Clarksburg. Rumor was that he was tore up from the floor up, which would, in most cases, make an armed man on the run pretty daggum dangerous. So, and I wouldn't blame him, or didn't blame him. The police called down the thunder to surround the motel just in case things went sideways. To their surprise, they were able to sneak everybody out of the surrounding rooms to make sure that they were safe before engaging with the suspect children. They thought that, uh, well, he must be really full in the tank if he didn't hurt any of that. Now, they got on the bullhorns, telephones, and everything else and started trying to get him to come out. As time went 
on, they, I didn't hear so much as a chicken peep out of him. And that's about the time they heard a familiar pop of a gunshot. Now, not exactly sure if he was shooting at him or what. It took him a little bit of work and time to get their way to into his room where they found that he had uh, took his own life after learning that police had the buildings around it. Now, that wasn't the end of anything, though. Police would continue their investigations into handyman childers and found some interesting evidence that ties a few things together. Now, they never had the chance to prove it, but police think that Mr. Childers was the unsub in the murder of Kenneth Wiseman, who was a supposed sex worker working in Clarksburg. A rape kit was performed on the victim, Wiseman, as routine as you know, such cases, but now the DNA uh, sample was lost and not able to be linked back to the deviant Childers. And not that it mattered because somebody forgot to take a DNA swab from Mr. Childers before he was chunked into crematory and reduced to a coffee can full of ashes. But Kenneth Wiseman's death was ultimately ruled as a medical death, even though police had great suspicions of foul play. Now, one other case that police directly linked to handyman Childers was the murder of Cecil Ralph Hill. He was the employer of Mr. Childers. The death was ruled as foul play involved. Now, he'd, for some unknown reason, left everything in his will to James Childers. This would end up being a mistake I bet he wishes he could take back, because the nearest that police could find was that handyman Childers was the last person to see Mr. Hill alive. Now, police said that the case wouldn't worked as a homicide, and Mr. Childers just plain got away with murder, even though he was standing right in the middle of the scene when the police rolled up. In other words, of James Childers, you can analyze and think all you want and get some of the greatest minds in the world, which I know you're not, because I'm just a small-town killer, but don't judge me because you don't know my life whatever the heck that's supposed to mean. But, although the case of James Childers is at a standstill right now because the, he ended up biting the bullet and taking the answers of a whole bunch of questions with him to the grave, it's or crematory, whichever one he is right now, it's still a case to remember. Now, handyman Childers was most likely a serial killer hiding in plain sight despite technology of the day. He would have likely never been known if it weren't for his overwhelming urge to be noticed. I'm sure that the, this guy had a good number of murders under his belt that we'll never know about, as there are several missing persons in that area from the time he was being innocent handyman that he played so well. He never expressed any remorse for the killings. He blamed it on how the human race was and how they treated each other, and particularly him. In other words, he just plain hated people including his own kin folks. Folks, if he had the chance, he'd wipe us all out in one fell swoop. Now, I hope you liked the story today. It wasn't pretty, but it needed telling. It wasn't long either, but uh, you know we last as long as it takes to tell the story we're telling. Now, if you did, please rate and review the podcast and on whatever media you're listening on, and uh, don't forget to follow so you can get notified of new episodes. Now, come on over to Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast where we can talk Appalachian or about anything else you want to bring up. And I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend, and I will see you then.